I remember when I was 15 years of age and I didn't understand anything about dreams. I didn't understand how God would speak. I didn't understand uh, God uses desires. God can use uh, visual dreams. God can use thoughts that come to my mind that just won't go away. And I was just 15. I was in year 11. 11th grade, we'd call it in America, year 11 in Australia, and I was on my way to school. In those days, you walked to school, right? Very old. So I walked to school, and, uh, and I had my bag on my shoulder, and as I walked to school, I was just daydreaming. I was daydreaming, uh, as I often did every day, but this particular day, I was daydreaming in a different way. And in my dream, I saw myself preaching in front of thousands of people. And it was a weird thing for a 15-year-old that was so devoted to football that I was headed for a professional football career, having won a number of MVP trophies in my high school. And I was heading that direction, and suddenly I began to dream about me preaching. Well, I didn't want to preach. I was just a shy, introverted person, except on the football field. And I was going in a particular direction. And as I began to daydream, I began to see myself preaching. What I really saw was our Paradise Campus, which is 3,000 seater, and I saw myself preaching in something like that. And I just got to school and just went about my business, thought that was a daydream. That particular night, I go to a service. We had midweek services back then. I went to this midweek service. There was a speaker from America uh, over, and he was preaching, and he asked, he had an altar call, and there was about this many people in the altar call uh, at that time, and I was one of them because I had bad acne and I wanted God to heal my acne. And I really wanted God to take away my pimples. I was becoming ugly to the girls and I just, as a 15-year-old, it's very important. So I went to the front and I was out in the, you know, right in the boondocks. I was not anywhere near where he was walking. And uh, this guy was very prophetic and he just stopped and he said, the blonde-headed guy, that's right, you heard blonde. I had hair back then, blonde hair. He said, that blonde kid over there, come over here. So he pulled me over and he said, God has started to reveal to you your future. He's put in your desire heart since you're a little boy to preach the gospel, to preach God's word. And as you're getting older, it's becoming more and more manifest to your mind. Well, I'm shocked because I'm what, I just want my acne to go. And he's prophesying about my future, right? And so uh, I remember going home that night and my dad said to me, as a good dad would, he says, now, you know, a prophetic word should confirm what God's already said. Has anything happened to you that would confirm what's just been spoken? And I said, well, mm, thinking about it, actually, I had a daydream on the way to school day. It was quite weird. I saw myself preaching. I saw myself, uh, you know, speaking, but I'd made nothing of it. He goes, well, tonight was the confirmation that what you saw on the way to school was God trying to get your attention. Of course, the proof is, here I am. So it was God speaking to me out of a dream, out of a daydream. Sometimes God can speak to you out of a daydream. And I want to talk to you about this because the world, not about daydreaming, but the world of visions and dreams are the realm of the Holy Spirit. They're the realm of the fourth dimension. We live in a three-dimensional world. World. The fourth dimension is God's dimension. It's the realm of the Spirit. And God wants to speak to us through that. And the more we encounter God, the more we worship, the more we pray, the more we engage with God, He starts to open our eyes and our minds to His desires. And what God does before we're born is God puts into us desires that it's our job over our lifetime to discover. That's why when last week I used the camera, remember I used the camera, I used my iPhone today, and I used the camera, the, 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 my eyes are the window to my soul, that every time 
I see something, it informs my soul. If what I see is dark, what's in my soul becomes dark, right? And so I have to make sure that no matter what negative situation I'm facing, that what I end up looking at mostly are the end results, are the miracles, and fill my soul with the future rather than the present. That can be hard to do. But it's really, really important in the realm of faith to be able to do that. And so what happens is God puts the desire in my heart, plants it like a seed, like you'd put into a garden bed that you can't see the evidence of it. And it's my job to water it, my job to help it, my job to see things, it's my job to be at a prayer meeting, it's my job to be at a youth, it's my job to be in an environment of spiritual intensity so that the seed gets watered. And when the seed gets watered, it starts to grow. And what God promises in Psalm 37, He says this, He says, I give to you the desires of your heart. Notice the word heart, and the word heart means inner man, inner woman. It doesn't mean my emotions and my thoughts and those kinds of things. This is my heart, it's my inner man. So God's planted desires in your inner man. When I was playing football, I had no idea that God was, had planted the desire to preach. But as I got into a spiritual environment, there's a backstory to that day of daydreaming that was very spiritual. God began to pour water on my seed and spiritual desires began to grow up and I started to see things that were dormant and not existed before. And so I've got to make sure then with my camera that what I'm taking in life is not, because my eyes inform my soul and my soul is so hard to differentiate between my spirit and my soul, the Bible says this in Hebrews 4, that I've got to be careful what I put in because the lust of the eyes can make me think that that's what I'm supposed to go after and suddenly those things from the Harvard School of Happiness a study, the grant study, guess what? Start to fool me into believing these are the dreams. These aren't the dreams of God. These are just your shallow dreams. So I've got to be careful what I see because if I see shallow things, I'll produce shallow dreams. But if I start to connect with God in a personal way, I start to incubate and I start to bring out of the soil of my humanity and the spirit that God gave me when He birthed me as a living soul, all those desires begin to nurture. Here's, what I can, here's how I can tell. Since some of you have been coming to influences in this new campus, what's happened to you is this. You've started finding these desires start to rise, these spiritual desires, these desires. Maybe you're in business, but now you think of your business as a conduit to help God with His kingdom. Maybe you are a, a, an administrator and you're doing that in your, in your job, but you think, well, how could I help? What's happening is these desires are being watered by the environment you are in and it's producing, and you watch what it'll do, I prophesy this, it'll produce into you desires and dreams. And what does God say? He says, I'll give you the desires of your heart that I planted there, not that you just saw with your eyes. Make sense? Very, very important. So we've got to make sure that we're nurturing it. Because when I look across a group of people, I know that you've got dreams and desires that God's planted there. And so often I'm, I'm, I'm discouraged when I look and I go, but they can't see it. I can see it. It's there. So that's why we have worship nights. That's why we have prayer twice a week. Why? Because I want to create a, a place 
that is like a hothouse or a, what would they call it here? A nursery, right? That grows plants quickly, right? That pulls out of the ground because Jesus said, the soil all by itself produces. In other words, who I am, the seed is in there, but when the soil gets powerful and mature and, and it becomes uh, fertile, it pulls out of me my desires and makes them obvious to my consciousness. It's very, very important that I know the difference. Anyway, I'm getting off on a sidetrack, so let's get back into the message. We've been learning about the lives, the life and the dreams of Jacob. He's a great example in the Bible about how to convert these God-given dreams. Remember, I can have dreams from watching television, from being around people. I can have dreams that God nurtures and brings to the surface. I'm after those. Here's the thing. God's will is God's bill. God doesn't pay for anything that you came up with. He only pays for something He came up with. Right? God promises I'll supply all your needs. Guess what? Yes, on a natural level to get us to survive. But here's the deal. God's will is God's bill. In other words, if God called me to build it, He will provide the resources to build it. That's how God works. And I've got to exercise faith. That's for another series. But Genesis 30 verse 43 says this, As a result, Jacob became very wealthy with large flocks of sheep and goats, female and male servants, and many camels and donkeys. In other words, he became very wealthy very quickly. And we've been talking over the last three weeks about how did that happen? Because for 20 years, he's seen nothing, nothing but pain, because his name meant grabber. He was grabbing everything he could see in a misguided attempt to try to live purposes that he thought God wanted him to live, but he was doing it the wrong way. And so God comes and, and, and he wrestles with God, and here's the thing, if the desires aren't from God, those desires will destroy you, you know, if you're not careful. So he, needs to, he needed to know that. And Jacob has a transformation in his life. Now, if we could put up the QR code, if you haven't yet got to the notes, just in case some people were slow with their phone, this is where you get to see the interactive notes for today, and you'll get to see the whole lot uh, while you are going. And even if you don't look at them right now, great to take home and study this week. So number one that we learned from the life of Jacob is that you have to know what you want. You have to know what you want. Detailed. I can tell you a story about, again, it happened when I was 15 for some reason, where my, my bike had a 10-speed racing bike and it was stolen. One of the things that I was encouraged to do was to pray that God would replace it. I needed it for school. And so I started praying and I was taught, be specific. You better know what you want. If you ask God for a bike, you'll just get anything. And when you get anything, you'll think it's just things, you know, just things happen or, you know, it was just accidental. So be specific. So I prayed for a yellow 10-speed racing bike. Over time, and this is, what, this is again, revelation comes, right? So here I am as a 15-year-old. I'm praying for this. I go and read my Bible this particular day. It was just in a season where I was being very spiritual. There were many seasons I wasn't as a 15-year-old. But I was at this moment. And I go to the, to the Bible about the feeding of the 5,000. And this is what Jesus says. Because they have persisted with me for three days, I will not send them away empty. I will give them everything they need. And the Holy Spirit just lit up that verse into my spirit. It, was, it had been three days since I'd been praying. And I'm like, I'm getting it. And sure enough, by miraculous means, I was given a yellow 10-speed racing bike 
for my 15-year-old as a brand new bike to replace the second hand, the used bike that I had stolen at the fish and chip shop. And so it was a, an amazing, amazing change in my life I was God began to open my eyes to being specific. I'm like, is even the right color? That's how you know it's God, right? When you just pray for generic things and they happen, you think it was you. Secretly, you think I'm smart or my wife's been listening or whatever. But when God provides it because it's been detailed, you know it was God and you give Him all the praise and the honor. That's how God wants us to live. So Jacob knew what he wanted. He was very clear, very articulate about what he wanted. Secondly, you must keep God at the center. As I said before, you must wrestle with God and hold on to Him till you have changed. If the dream giver doesn't change you, the dream will destroy you. Because when God gives my dreams, it's bigger than who I am today. So if I don't change then I'm going to waste the dream or it's going to destroy me. So with the dream comes responsibility to grow so I'm ready for when He gives it to me. Otherwise, if I provide a bucket with holes, I'll receive it, but it'll all be gone. So I've got to get my life together. How do you tell? I've already said, shared this, so I'll move on. You know, I was thinking about this last night, and there are some seeds that only a fire will germinate. I didn't know this till about 20 years ago. There are actually some seeds that don't germinate and don't grow until a fire, a bushfire or a wildfire has come through a particular place. And when that wildfire comes through, it releases the power of certain seeds that have been dormant for a very long time. That's why I say to people, sometimes the fires that we go through, the tragedies, let's think of fire as a tragedy, like a bushfire, sometimes the only, the seeds that I need to grow that God sees in my future will only ever be brought to reality because of a tragedy. Sometimes I'm looking for all the good times, but here's the deal, bushfires germinate trees. Here's another thought. Having desire is very dangerous because desire creates an arousal in me for the, that thing that I'm desiring. Fires germinate those seeds. For instance, pine trees, banksia trees in Australia are, are released to germinate and to flourish through fires. And so what we have to do is like arousing desire, we understand this, arousing desire is like a fire. We just gotta be careful what kind of fire arouses it. Let's make sure it's the fire of God. Let's make sure it's the fire of His presence. Let's make sure like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, the fire of God comes through and releases them from their bondage. It doesn't destroy them. The fire of God is really important. The presence of God, that's why prayer meetings are so important. That's why uh, uh, coming on a morning, you can feel in our campus the results of more people praying. You can feel it. I think on Wednesday, we had our largest Wednesday prayer meeting, over 30 people there at our prayer meeting. And I'm telling you, when we start to pray like this, we're going to create a fire. And the fire releases the seeds of God's desire and destiny in our lives and that nothing else can. The fire of God. 2 Timothy 2.22 says this, flee evil desires of, whatever that meant, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Instead, Psalm 37.4 says, take delight in the Lord 
Pamper the Lord is what the Hebrew means. Pamper Him and He will give you the desires of your heart. God gives me the desires of my heart, not the desire of my eyes. So always remember that. Number three, you need to know how to keep the dream alive. We're going to get right to the crux of this in a moment. You have to know how to keep the dream alive. I don't know if we've got that picture that I have as a screensaver for my iPad, but I'm believing for these church buildings, 200 churches across the world, and we've created a patent pending building. This is our patent pending building. This sits on my iPad, right? Every day I'm looking at my iPad and I'm declaring that over my life. I'm going to put in front of my eyes, remember we talked about this last week, the things that produce the faith to see that thing happen. It's in front of me every time I use my iPad. I see the future and I declare the future. It's how God morphs dreams into reality in our life. So you know, need to know how to keep the dream alive. So you have to build. And what Jacob did was build a model. He took sticks and he created spotted and speckled sticks to represent the spotted and speckled sheep he'd asked Laban for that we read about last couple of weeks. I want the spotted and speckled sheep. And what did Laban do? Took away all the spotted and speckled sheep, gave them to his sons, sent them three, year, three days' journey so that when Jacob looked across his sheep, all he could see was white. He wanted spotted and speckled. He can see white. How does he make a difference? For his eyes are just recording negative images. How does he change that? Well, he takes branches and makes them into the spotted and speckled animals. Maybe he made a little sheep. I don't know. Spotted and speckled little sheep. And what he did was he started to fill his own spirit with his future rather than letting what he saw dictate how he responded. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay. So not only do we need to have, uh, so we need to know how to keep the dream alive because I could get that dream on the way to school, I can get that dream anywhere, and then it dies. Because if you don't keep in front of you, the dream will die. Dreams don't seem to have a 24-hour lifespan unless you put it on life support somewhere. Unless you keep it alive, it's not going to stay alive. Then, and this is the last point, for this series, and I want to get right into this, and it says this, you have to know how to impregnate, if we can have that, that uh, statement up, you have to know how to impregnate, impregnate your environment with change. Do we have that slide? It's a really good slide. <laughs> Is it possible to see those words? I know, thank you. It's coming. Sila, let's just pause for a moment. It's a very important point. It says this, you have to know how to impregnate your environment with change. You have to know how to impregnate your environment with change. Think about it. It's one thing for me to have a vision for it, but if I don't get the people that I'm with to get it, then it's not gonna happen. Here's the deal about Jacob. He had his vision for all these sheep to become spotted and speckled. Guess what? Here we go. There it is. You have to know how to impregnate your environment with change. It's on your notes as well. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, Jacob couldn't produce spotted and speckled sheep himself. Animals and humans, you know. He couldn't create the animals that he saw. The animals had to create the animals he saw. So guess what he had to do? He had to impregnate their environment with change. 
It's one thing for me to have a vision. If the people around me don't get the vision, if my children don't get the vision, there was no point having vision. Vision only works when the visionary is able to communicate it to the visionless, and the visionless receive the vision, are empowered to run with it. Vision itself will never change anything. Dreams themselves will never change anything. I must impregnate the environment that which I'm leading, which may be my home, my marriage, my finances, my workplace, wherever it is, with change. What change do you want to see in your family? What is your dream for your kids? What's your dream for your grandkids? What's the dream for your business? What's the dream for your marriage? Come on, everybody. It's Valentine's Day on Tuesday. This is the moment where we dream about how it should be. This is how we try to go back to the past. Remember those days? Or maybe we hope we have a secret admirer. I used to get many cards on February the 14th from ladies I didn't know who they were. This is before I was married. People weren't sure how to respond. You can laugh. Okay. And you can laugh out of derision, which means you don't believe it ever happened, but I promise you, I've kept all those cards, boxes of them, of these cards. I yeah. Jane sent them all by different aliases. It was amazing. So Jacob didn't just make a model for himself. He filled his circumstances with the expectation of change. Let's read the Bible here. Genesis 30, verse 38. Let's all read it together. Come on. Then he placed the peel branches. Stop. When the flocks were in heat. We'll come back to that verse in a minute. It's a very important verse. Let's keep reading. When the flocks were in heat and came to drink, that's together, verse 39, they mated in front of the branches. In front of what? The branches, and they bore young that were streaked, speckled, or spotted. What did Jacob do? He understood that he needed to keep the vision alive in himself, but the vision alive in himself was to push him to create an environment of change for the people he had a vision for. So what did he do? He got his model with the spotted and speckled, and what does it say? There's a few points to this. He creates a model and impregnates their world with an ability to change. He wants to influence his environment. And here's my question I get, guess, is what atmosphere are you creating at work? What atmosphere are you creating at home? What atmosphere are you creating for your wife, for your husband, for your children? What atmosphere are you creating? Well, I create a great atmosphere, do you? Do you even know what it is? Have you got a plan? They're all the questions that are really important, right? Because we like to think that we're doing it really well, but if you took a measurement of time, are you really creating those atmospheres? Most people get accidental parenting instead of intentional parenting. Because our world tells us education is the most important, we spend so many hours on education and not much on spiritual development or emotional development or understanding how the world works. So what atmosphere are you creating for your family? There are only four rules in our family for our young adult uh, sons who are now, some of them are adults, some of them are young adults, is that they had to be at church. That was one of the four rules. The fourth rule, you live in my house, you must be at church. Why? It's not about being religious. It's not about being, being a Pharisee. You've got to be at church. It's that I believe in the future God has for you and the environment I'm setting demands that you're in a place where God can speak to you. 
And if you go to church once every month or once every two months, well, guess what? Good luck. Now, you need to find a life-giving church. That's for sure. A dead church won't help you either. A life-giving church where you grow. That's where you need to be, where the Word of God is taught, where Jesus is honored, where we think about people who don't know Christ. You need a church like that and where we believe discipleship is not an option but a requirement of every follower of Jesus. That's the kind of church you need to be in. It's not an extra. It's one of the rules of my home. This is how Jacob did it. So you ready? This is now very practical. We're going to get right down to the practical stuff. Then he placed the peel branches in all, everybody say all, all, all the watering troughs so they would be what? Directly, everybody say directly. Directly in front of the flocks when they came to drink, when the flocks were in heat and came to drink. So the first thing he did was find watering troughs. Think about it. The sheep are out grazing. They don't care about Jacob and his dream. They're just out grazing, getting their stuff. More food, give me more food, right? Jacob's smart, though, because he's not running around with a, with a bottle of the, the future in front of sheep that are trying to graze. <laughs> very, very stiff crowd today. So, <laughs> no, no, I think you're intently listening. He didn't run around and go, look, 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 look. Those sheep are like, tick off, we're just eating grass. So Jane and I learned a lesson. We never try to instill the future into our children when they're eating grass. When they're doing the things that they're engaged in. What we did was find a watering trough. What's a watering trough, everybody? Where a sheep comes to get water. Hello? It's where a sheep comes to get refreshed. It's where a sheep stops going after what it wants and gets what it needs. It's ready. Where would that be at work? That would be around happy hour after, after work. That would be around the kitchen when you're having lunch. That would be in those casual conversations where people want to talk. That's when you're going to start to put in front of them the vision. So in our house, when we're talking about children, we discovered a secret. Our children do not want to go to bed. Is it only my children or anyone else's children? Right, they do not want to go to bed. So guess what? They were happy to listen to anything dad said as long as they could stay up. So I started to use that to my advantage. Ha, you want to stay up, do you? Well, I'm coming in to lie on your bed. And if I say, as long as I'm on your bed, you can stay up. Otherwise, it's lights out. Oh, dad, come in, please come in. The rest of the day, like, didn't want to know me, didn't want to hear me. But at this moment, they want to hear everything I ought to say. They want more. Give me more, Dad. This is amazing. They didn't say that, but that was the heart, right? Stay up. So I used their openness to start to plant seeds about their destiny. I would lie on their bed in the dark, and I would talk to Mark about what I see over his life. Mark, you know I see this over your life. He doesn't even know. He's five. He doesn't even know what I'm talking about. But it's going in. Like when he gets older, Nathan, I remember Nathan, I said, I speak the whole, I pray the hunger for the Holy Spirit over your life. I pray every night. I speak over Mark and say, I speak this over your destiny. You're going to be a great leader. You're going to be a great leader. I can see you one day and I just begin to map out all these ideas. And he's like, yeah, great, great, dad, just great, you know, great. Some days he'd be inspired. Other days he's just like, yeah, whatever. What was I doing though? He had no idea that when he came to the warding trough, he was starting to have his DNA changed. 
You know what DNA stands for? Dirty, nasty adults. <laughs> and God wants to change your DNA. <laughs> so, what was I doing? I was impregnating his mind and spirit, watering the dreams of God. I wasn't telling him what he's going to be in terms of, you'll be a fireman, son. Oh, you'll be a locksmith, son, whatever. Oh, you'll be a banker, son. I didn't say that. I was talking about God's plans. You know what? You're going to be a great thinker. You know what? You're going to be a person of great love. You know what? You're going to be a worshiper. You're going to be a person that loves the presence of God. What was I doing? I was impregnating him with his future without even, even realizing it. You know, husbands, you can do that to your wives. You can do that to your husbands, wives. Have it speaking into the future. Listen, so many times we have encounters about the future at the wrong time. It's the right thing at the wrong time that becomes the wrong thing. So it's misinterpreted. So you've got to choose your moments. Think. The sheep are eating, it's not working. The sheep are drinking, this is the chance. You've got to think like that, very basic stuff. When is my husband most likely? Listen, if you nag your husband about not spending enough time home when he's in the middle of a $100 million business deal, guess what? Ain't going to work. You're just another pressure. Flip, I'm going to deal with all the people that work and you as well. So you find the right time. Right, you find the... Beautiful time. When you're spending time together, talk about feelings and issues. Let the deal be done, be behind, and then, oh, I'm with you. Let's talk about this stuff. Guess what? You're seeding the future rather than trying to smash something in the moment that won't work. Jacob didn't put the vision when they weren't ready to watch. So you've got to do that. This is really practical stuff. Who's finding this practical? This is helpful, right? Seems really obvious, right? But it's not that obvious. Otherwise, everybody would be doing it. So a lot of companies write down their vision and job goals and then stick it away somewhere. That doesn't bring change. Others tell their staff just once, hey, listen, I told you, you should know. I've told you once. This is what I've discovered over my many, many decades now of leadership and business and church life is that normally it takes people between nine and 12 months to catch a vision. Nine to 12 months. So what's my job? Repeat the vision over and again without being boring. Over and over again. It's not about a robot repeating it over and over again. It's about how do I get them to catch it? But they're not catching it that direction. So find me a watering trough and let's get it in that way. Or let's have a conversation about getting it in that way. And after nine months is what I used to to laugh to myself when I found it it, it kind of fought with my pride a little bit. Because after nine months, my staff would start saying, you know, pastor, we need to do this. They'd be so passionate like it was their idea. We need to do this and we need to do that. And we need to do all these things. And I'm thinking to myself, that's what I've been telling you for a whole year now. But they think it was their idea. And as soon as it's their idea, they're committed to it. So a great leader is impregnating the environment of his people with the future that he sees for them, she sees for them. If you're on a job, uh, a woman of God, and you see with your team, you see the future for them. You start to find those places to speak it into them. It's not going to work in the middle of a meeting uh, necessarily. It's going to work at those watering troughs, the watering trough place. He put them in all the watering troughs. Next thing he did was keep it fresh. 
He put the branches in water. They're in the middle of a desert. The vision can dry up in a desert. Those branches would have just peeled in a desert. So he's got to keep the vision alive for long enough till they start conceiving spotted and speckled sheep. So he puts it in water, keeps it fresh. Can I say this? Having something written down on a plaque, this is our vision, these are our core values, that's great. But how do you keep it fresh and exciting? That's the challenge. You say to your kids, you've got to do this and you've got to do that and you do that. And we just repeat the same words. What about getting creative with that? Because otherwise it gets boring, it dries up, it dies. Hope I'm helping somebody on, online today. Then it says he put them directly in front. In other words, the people need to see it directly, continuously, and obviously. The next point, look for people in heat. Selah, just take a sip. Look for people in heat. Let's read it. It's a Bible, it's a Bible verse, not mine. Then he placed the peel branches and all the watering troughs so that when they would be directly in front of the flocks, when they came to drink. When the flocks were in heat and came to drink, they mated in front of the branches. And they bore young that were streaked, speckled, or spotted. Let me just say it to you this way. Every one of us has a reproductive cycle. I'm not, not talking about babies now. We all have an ability at certain times of the month, the week, the year, the season of being highly receptive to the things that God has for my life, to leadership growth, to growing as a person. Think about January the 1st. Think about it. There's no difference between January, uh, December 31st and January 1. There's no difference, except we're all in heat on December 31, thinking, what are we going to do for the year? We start becoming full of desire to learn. We start to, start to become uh, pregnant with what the future may be. We start to get conceived visions and dreams. There are times in our life when we're most like that. And what I'm looking for when I'm, as a leader, I'm looking for people that are able to reproduce, people that have got something in them to reproduce. My kids have critical moments in their lives where they're ready to reproduce. Am I there for that moment? Are they seeing the vision at that moment? My, my team, sometimes it's just like you can feel it when you're talking to your staff and your team just goes over their heads like, whoa, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. And there are times when you can see they're in reproductive, they're leaning in, there's a, there's a look in their eye, there's something about them, and you know this is going in. So as a leader, I've got to look for people at those points, and I've got to seize on those points. Instead of being so busy just doing meetings, 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 I'm in a meeting. Wow, he looks like he's ready. I've got to spend some time with him, sowing the vision into him, because he's ready to reproduce. Otherwise, I'm just going to talk to the wall and nobody's going to respond. So the secret of Jacob was realizing only sheep in reproductive season will produce. But when they saw and they made it in front of those branches, they begin to produce the outcome that they saw. Is this helping anybody? And you've got all the notes there so you can go over these again. Here's the truth, right? Listen to what Genesis 30, verse 41 says. When the stronger females were in heat, Jacob tactically would place the branches and the troughs in front of them. So he saw a couple of people, a couple of sheep ready to go for it. He quickly grabbed the thing and put it in front of them. Why? 
because the vi- power of vision and transitioning vision from a, from a dream to a reality is the people who are going to produce it need to see it when they're ready to produce it. So powerful. If you grab this, I promise you, it'll save you hours and hours and hours and hours. You see, I'm looking for people who are wanting to grow. These are people who have done growth track, people who are in leadership school, people who are at the prayer meetings, people who are leaning in. They're the people I look at and I go, they're ready to reproduce. There's a hunger, there's a desire, there's, a, there's, a, there's something inside of them. Wow, now get in. Plant the seeds of God and watch it grow. Because not everybody's going to grow, only those that get into a reproductive, reproductive part of their life where they're wanting to lean in and grow. And we've all had them where we go, I want, I want to learn something. I want to do something more. I want to grow. That's the person I'm looking for because I know what God has for you is magnificent, incredible, amazing. And I want to help you get there. Last point, it's what they see that matters. It's what they see that matters. Not what you say that matters. It's what they see that matters. Seeing is believing is what we're told. But the truth is seeing is being. When you see it, then you'll be it. Who's ever had an aha moment? And you go, oh, that's the reason. Well, that aha moment, when you see it, you become it. See it and be it. See it and be it. What you see is what you'll be. What your staff can see is what they'll be. What your husband can see is what he'll be. What your wife can see is what she'll be. What your children can see, they will be. What your friends can see, they will be. Your job is to help them see what God has for them. So when I look at, let me ask this question. What do you see? What do you see? When I look across God's herd of sheep, we're all God's sheep, right? When I look across God's herd of sheep, I'm going to tell you what I see. I see transformation. I see children growing up that are powerful, both in their spiritual war, but also in their education and business. I see marriages that are so on fire, people are shocked at how in love you are. That's what I see when I look at you. When I look at you, I see you as a person who's a kingdom-minded person, who loves Jesus with all of your heart, that knows that we've got little time before Jesus comes back, before our own lives are over to share the news. We'll worship Jesus all day in heaven, but we'll have no time in heaven to share Jesus with anybody. It'll be too late. I see a group of people motivated to love each other, have each other's backs, to do life together. I see a group of people that want to change the world. I really believe in Alpharetta, some of the greatest leaders are going to rise. The reason I base myself here and Pastor Jane and I have based ourselves here is because what God showed me about Alpharetta people. Now the people that were going to come into Alpharetta were going to be the like great leaders of industry, leaders in their world, just leaders in life. And he said, I'm going to give you the ability to speak into them so everything they have begins to flourish and grow. It's not just business that grows, their marriage grows. It's not just their marriage that grows, their walk with God grows. It's not just their walk with God grows, but their finances grow. Their whole life becomes a living example and testament of who Jesus is in our life every day. 
Oh, I see it on you. If only I could just shake you and say, can you see it? So I see it. Can't you see it? God has this stuff for you that's so profound. And your secret and your need is to find out the steps. How do I get there? And the more how you think about, the more speed, the more direction, the more length will happen in your life, the more you'll achieve, the more you'll grow. I see it. What do you see? You see, what I've just outlined for you is a method that's biblical based of converting your dreams to reality. I could take you to a hundred different passages. I just chose this one because it says it clearly. What do you see for yourself? I wanna pray for you right now. And if you say to me, Ashley, you're inspiring me to see more. Maybe you need to be like this 15-year-old boy that was walking to school who'd been spending time with God. The reason why I saw that daydream was just chance, it seemed on, on the surface, but it was God. A friend at school, you remember the days when you had newspaper boys? Anyone old enough to remember those days? When, the news, when you'd stand on this main road and, the newspaper, and you'd be a newspaper boy and the guys would drive past, pop in, you'd give them a newspaper, you hope for a tip. Well, a guy in my school was on holidays and he asked me if I would take over his paper spot. So for three weeks, I stood there between four and six at night, giving out papers, selling papers, selling papers. There was nothing to do between cars coming and going. And for some reason, God put in my heart to pray about my future. So I started to say, God, I wanna know what am I meant to do with my life? I want, I'm a serious person. I'm a consequential person. I believe, I, you know, you, I don't know what you have for me, but I want you to show me. Would you show me what you've got? Little did I know that after three weeks of churning the soil in my heart and watering the soil, these desires that God had planted when I was a baby before I was even born, in my heart, were being watered by my prayers and watered by my devotion, watered by my questions. And three weeks later, out of the blue, I'm walking on the way to school. I thought it was out of the blue, but it was after watering the garden. There I am preaching to thousands of people. There I am seeing many, many people come to find Christ. And suddenly, whoosh, a vision was born. And then the last 30 years has been trying to get that vision to become a reality in my life, and it has. And it's just halfway, I'm only halfway, through. I'm not even halfway. If I've got 200 campuses to plan, I'm only at 12. I need your help, everybody. And I'm praying God will bring international people into our campus and people from America who are born here, so together we reach the whole world through your business, through your help, through your writing, through your gifts, through your leadership. I promise you this, if you wanna go somewhere, this is an incredible incubator. And what you get from me is I've stopped preaching just to the lowest common denominator. I'm raising the stakes, everybody. I'm preaching higher. I'm preaching for those that want to go somewhere. And that's why you're here, because you do. I want to pray for you right now. We're running out of time. But I feel so on fire. I could preach for another hour. But I'm not. It's okay. We love you, Pastor, but an hour more would be just a little bit too much. I want you to close your eyes. If you say to me, Ashley, you're speaking to me. You're talking to my heart. I don't care whether you're 60 or 50 or 40 or 20, it doesn't matter. 
Some of the greatest dreams were fulfilled after retirement. Some of the greatest dreams ever done happened in their 30s, 20s. God has, has a plan for you that's different from everyone else. You are no carbon copy. You're an original and God has His purpose for you. So if you're here and you say, Ashley, would you pray for me? Here's what I know that God's put on my life. When I pray for people, dreams start to become reality. When I start to spend time with people, their dreams start to flourish. Why? Because God put it in me for some reason. I can't do a lot of things that other people can do, but I can do that for you. I can help your dreams become a reality. And if you'll lean in. But before that, because we're running out of time, I want to pray for you just where you are. Let's start the process right now. Let's get the starter's gun and let's fire it off and say, I'm going to do it God's way. I want to see the desires of my heart become a reality. That's you. Would you do me a favor right now with every eye closed? Just raise your hand. Anyone else? Just raise your hand. Here's what I think. If you can't raise your hand in here, you'll never make it out there. So if God's speaking to you, respond. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just trying to be truthful. Father, I pray for every person with a hand raised. I pray today, the beginning of those marriages, those families, those finances, those health. Lord, I pray for people with a vision for health. I speak life into every person. I speak life into their businesses, life into their marriages, life into their families. I speak the power of God and I speak transformation. I speak change today, the beginning. I pray as we water those seeds, the desires of our heart would grow up so we can see them, know them, and chase after them with all our heart, we pray in Jesus' name.